This is uh, part two of a three-part series, and uh, and the title of this uh, series is The Battle is Real. Uh, the battle is very real, church, and um, and we're last week we we talked about you know the internal battle inside of us uh, when the scripture talks about this battle and fighting the good fight. It's not only dealing with um, the internal battle, but it's also dealing with the cosmic battle. But um, I think we have a tendency of focusing on the cosmic or really flesh and blood rather than the internal battle that goes on in each si- inside of each of us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For we are not fighting against human beings, but against the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world, the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers of this dark age. And, uh, and it's real easy to focus on, on the external conflict. And, uh, but typically, instead of thinking of it in terms of, uh, uh, spiritual forces of darkness, we, we make it somebody that we can see and touch, but our enemy is, is not flesh and blood. It's cosmic. It is invisible in nature. And, um, and we've seen this this last week. Um, you know, we all we're all aware of the the mass the mass shooting slaughter that took took place in a gay club in Orlando, Florida, last uh, early last Sunday Sunday morning. And it's interesting to hear um, people talk and and um, the media and the media is having is is taking the Christian community and lumping it in with the, the Muslim com- community and treating this as a religion, you know, war of religion against uh, the L- LBGT. And that uh, Christians are just as wrong as the Muslims uh, are because we're full of uh, hatred and bigotry. And they're they're portraying the Christian community community as bigots and homophobes, and little do they realize that as Christians we can disagree with uh, people's lifestyle and conviction, but that doesn't give us liberty to hate those we disagree with. We must love those. Um, who we don't agree with. But, but we see this battle in our nation right now and this week and we see it as an external battle and it's as if we're at war with other people. It's flesh and blood and we need to understand as Christians our battle isn't against the L, LBGT. Our battle is not against the Muslim religion. Our battle is cosmic. It is invisible in nature. 
So not only is there this external battle, but there's an internal battle that takes place in all of our lives. And if we don't win the internal battle that's going on in our heart and mind, we're not going to win the external battle. And that's what I'm wanting to focus on on this series. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith. We are in a battle. We are in a fight. And I want us to focus on the internal battle that we all struggle with. And we looked at this last week. It's this battle. What is this battle? This battle is between our old nature and our new nature. Our old nature is the way we were before we came to Christ. And when we came to Christ, when we uh, were resurrected, when we were baptized into Christ, Christ gave us a new nature. But that doesn't mean that the old was annihilated. The old isn't going to be annihilated until Christ returns. And so as Christians, there is this constant battle that we um, are dealing with in our hearts and minds. Romans chapter 7, verses 22 through 25 says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And so last week I introduced uh, four battles, and uh, we're getting going to get in the last two this morning. And these battles, again, it's not an exhaustive list, but it is a list that I think we all uh, struggle with uh, in this room uh, this morning. And the battle we looked at last week was the battle between what's easy and what's right. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh, and they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I mean, this is there's this internal battle constantly between the flesh and the spirit. And it's really easy to to cave in. And want to do what's easy. And I think the reason why we cave in and do what's easy is because of fatigue. You know, we don't, we don't want to fight the battle. We just want to default to what's easy. And scripture says that we can't grow weary. We can't, uh, grow tired of doing the right thing. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Do you know that battle personally? Last week I, I talked about my weight. You know, this is a, 
constant battle. And I've, I've been winning the battle these last nine months. But I went to St. Louis this last week and I was exposed to a barbecue in St. Louis. And my flesh was weak. And when I got home and got on the scale, I had paid the price. I tried to put on some pants and they were tight. But again, this, this is a battle. This is an ongoing battle between the flesh and the spirit. And we can't grow weary. We can't give up. We can't default to what's easy. You know, and I see this in nature over and over again. You know, I love, um, I have learned to love gardening. And uh, you guys have heard the story of my vineyard, my grapevines. And it seems like I'm constantly battling the external to make sure that I'm going to have grapes uh, to eat uh, through the season. But if it's not, if it's not the pets, you know, it's the insects or the heat. And, uh, and I'm constantly having to stay on top of things. And I've learned this with my strawberries this season. I was so looking forward to a harvest of strawberries this season. I mean, I had put pictures on Facebook. My garden was looking beautiful. But as I got into the season, I thought, boy, I've got all these strawberries coming up. But my problem is I had too many strawberries coming up. I had so many berries that there wasn't enough energy to get to any of them. And so they were really teeny weeny strawberries that I couldn't eat. So, but I didn't give up. I pulled out all those strawberries and hoping that I would have another harvest. And I did have another harvest come in. I had bigger strawberries. They weren't as teeny this time. And just as they were beginning to become ripe, birds came in and pecked away at all my ripe strawberries. And I want you to know that I've grown weary this season. I have defaulted to what's easy and I don't have a harvest. But I'm not going to give up. Next season, I'm going to do what people told me to do. I'm going to get a net and cover, protect my strawberries. You know, that's the way it is with God. When God tells us to do something, the world's going to come in and it's going to kind of peck away and try to steal the blessing, uh, rob you of, uh, of the blessing that God wants to give in your life in obedience. We saw that in, in Genesis ch- chapter 15 when uh, God told Abraham to prepare a sacrifice. Uh, Abraham didn't know how God was going to come through on his promises. And God was just reminding Abraham of his promises. And he told Abraham to prepare a sacrifice. And as Abraham prepared a sacrifice, guess what? Birds, vultures tried to come in and steal the sacrifice. And Abraham had to beat them away. And folks, when it comes to our walk, our 
our relationship, our obedience to the world, we are in a battle. And we have got to fight the good fight and not default to what's easy, but keep doing what is right. And as you do, the Bible says there is going to be a harvest. Do what's best. Why? Because God loves you. And God knows what's best for your life. And yes, we live in a fallen world that wants to make you weary, that makes makes you want to give up. And you can't. Keep fighting the good fight. Which brings us to the second internal battle. The internal battle of listening, knowing the truth, rather than believing the lies. And we looked at the great commandment last week. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus was asked, you know, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to remind ourselves how much God loves us and what God says, uh, what God says about us. And then he goes on and says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love others as yourself. This is the second most important relationship. Love others as yourself. And before you can love others, You've got to learn to love yourself. You have got to believe what God thinks about you. And there's an enemy out there. There's there's an accuser who wants to convince you that you are a loser. That you are no good. That you are worthless. And that it can't be further from the truth. If you are a child of God, even if you're not a child of God, God so loves you. And we need to listen to the truth. And we looked at um, 1 John chapter 4 last week. And I want to to encourage you to turn back to this passage of Scripture because we're going to camp out on this a little bit longer this morning. You need to have a conversation with you of what God thinks, of what God says about you. Because you don't talk, you don't talk to anybody else more than you talk to yourself. And not only do you need to know what God says, but you need to convince yourself of what God thinks of you. So beginning with verse 7, John says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. 
Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God overwhelmingly loves every one of us. We need to remind ourselves of what God says about us. What God thinks, says about you. God says, I love you. And I have shown my love for you by sending my one and only son. My very best. He came and he didn't just stay for a moment. He stayed for 33 years. And he didn't just tell us that he loved us by his words. No, he laid down his very life. He became the perfect sacrifice that appeased the heart of a holy God. No other sacrifice could do that. He loved you that. He, Jesus came all the way for you. He didn't come part way. He didn't ask you to meet him halfway. He came all the way to the earth and lived for 33 years, lived that life that we couldn't, and then gave, gave his all. Have, how many have had friends who have come visited you in Ridgecrest? You know they're really your friends when they come to Ridgecrest to visit you. You know, you know, they didn't ask you to come halfway to meet them. They, they came to Ridgecrest to see you. That's, that's a friend who cares, who loves you. Jesus came all the way to you. God gave his very best. The Bible says that you are God's beautiful treasure. Exodus chapter 19 describes the children of Israel and how God took them out of the land of Egypt. He called them his own. And, and he treasured them in his heart. That's not just for the nation of Israel, but that's for the church. That's for you. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. God treasures you. You are very precious to Him. Another thing we learn about God is that God has forgiven you completely. Do you know that God has forgiven you Completely, The Bible says that you are justified. You have been redeemed. 
and in His eyes you have already been glorified. It's been done. It's been accomplished in your life. And even though we haven't experienced it yet, this side of heaven, that side of heaven, God says, it is finished. I have forgiven you completely. Jesus became our propitiation. Do you know that? Or are you listening to the lies of the enemy? In knowing that God has forgiven us completely, that doesn't give you or I license to do whatever you want. Even though God says, I love you like this, I am going to hold you, number four, to a high standard, a higher standard, a higher calling in your life. And even though we don't always measure up to that standard, praise God, He, He deals with us with grace and mercy. Number five. He constantly shows us grace and mercy when we struggle, when we fall short. He doesn't give up on you. The enemy wants you to think that God has given up on you, but no, you are worth fighting for. You belong to to him and there is nothing that will separate you from the love of God. I've got four kids and if any of those kids were to come to me saying, Dad, I don't like you anymore. In fact, I hate you and they walk out of the house and they want to have nothing to do with me. Guess what? That doesn't stop me from being their dad. Nothing will separate me from them. All the fellowship may be broken, but never the relationship. And God shows us His grace and His mercy. The Bible also says that He has a special calling for your life. You are His Ambassador, you are his representative. First Peter chapter two, verse nine describes us as priests. God wants us to be bridge builders. God doesn't want us to avoid those in the community who don't know him or love him. God wants us to build relationships with him and show them the love of God through us. We are priests. We are his possession. We are that holy nation. Finally, we see from Scripture that heaven is cheering you on. There is a great grandstand of believers who have gone ahead of us, who are cheering us on to fight the good fight, to finish the race. Do you know that? Well, yeah, I do know that, Pastor, and that's why I choose to be selfish. And that's why you have all the chaos in your life. If we know the truth of the Word of God, if we are listening listening to the the truth and not the lies, it is it's gonna impact relationships, 
around us. We're not going to be selfish, but we're going to do the right thing. We're not going to default to what's easy, but we're going to do what's right. You need to fight the good fight. Knowing these things, now let's look at verses 16 and 17. First John 4. It says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is Love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so, so also are we in this world. When we listen to the truth and not the lies and believe what God says about me and I am his representative in this world, I am going to love like God loves me. And yes, there is an external battle going on and we've listened to that external battle this week, and we think that our enemy is the Muslim people or the LGBT or the media, it's not. Our enemy is invisible. And if we're going to win the battle externally, it's got to start Internally, we've got to win the war inside and we got to know what God thinks and says about us, about you. We need to listen to truth over lies. As we do, we love the way God loves us. Look at verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And that's not just referring to people who are like us. It's easy to love the people who think like us, who worship like us. But we are to love even our enemy when we were at our absolute worst, the Bible says Jesus died for us. And just as Jesus died for us at our absolute worst, now we need to love others as God has loved us. And to the degree that we understand God's love for us will be the degree to which we love other people. Are you paranoid of your enemy? Do you walk in fear? Do you resist saying things or avoid certain people? Then you don't understand the love of God in your life. The gospel hasn't yet truly, truly,
transformed your heart. When we understand God's love for us, for you, you will begin to love others likewise. Some of you read media reports this week. Listen to a so-called Baptist pastor up in Sacramento, California. And his, his sermon last Sunday morning following uh, this mass murder says that, that that Muslim terrorist should have killed more gay people. What happened in Orlando was good. Orlando is safer today because of those who died. And more should have been killed. That is not of God. As God's people, as God's children who have been impacted by the cross and know from verses 7 through 10 how much God loves us. We love others. And that individual, I can't even call him a pastor, doesn't understand the gospel. This is our responsibility, church. And if we're going to win the external battle, it's not going to be by hate. That's what the Muslim religion is convinced needs to happen, that people's hearts will change through fear, coercion, intimidation. That wasn't Jesus' mode of operation. He came to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. And as we begin to love, as Jesus has loved us, guess what? Fear in our hearts will be driven out by love. Love is far greater than hate. And I don't understand why that event transpired last weekend. But I know what the Bible says. That we serve a sovereign God. And I don't understand... And, but I know that God permitted this to happen. Was God responsible for it? No, we live in a broken, fallen world. This wasn't God's intention from the very beginning. This, this is the consequences of a sinful world that we live in. But we serve a sovereign God and nothing happens that doesn't first pass through his filtered hands. And I know how the media has now thrown the church in with the Muslim 
community and that we're nothing but a bunch of homophobes and bigots. The church, it is our responsibility to rise up and to show the love of God. And God wants to use this horrific event to show His glory through His bride, through us. I love what Chick-fil-A did last Sunday. You know, Chick-fil-A has been made headlines and that this was, this has been the, the leading business of bigotry and homophobia uh, in our country and, and they're not welcomed into certain cities because of, of uh, their hate. But Chick-fil-A was out there in a parking lot in Orlando uh, last Sunday when they're, when they're closed and they were serving meals to those who were giving blood to those uh, who were in the hospital in need of blood. Did that get a lot of media coverage? Mm-mm. Who got all the ink was that pastor, that man up in Sacramento. Church, our battle, our enemy is not flesh and blood. It is invisible. It is cosmic in nature. And if we are going to win this world, this war, if we're going to win the external conflict, we must first win the internal battle of our mind and our heart and know what God says about us and then live that way towards others. Because as we understand those things, we come to the third battle. The battle between love and selfishness. We'll win that battle and we will choose to love over being selfish. And again, this is a battle I struggle with every every single day. But look at Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I witnessed that this week at the Southern Baptist Convention in St. Louis in two ways. One... um, was regarding the Confederate flag. You know, Southern Baptists didn't have great beginnings um, as a denomination. Uh, we became Southern Baptists out of the Civil War because we were in favor of slavery and uh, standing up against a government that was overreaching, a government that wanted to free slaves. And so particularly in the South, um, the Confederate flag has uh, become a symbol for some southern, Southerners of loyalty for family members who fought with valor 
uh, back in the uh, the early 19th century, and uh, it's been, it's been a symbol of pride. But the Southern Baptist Convention made a resolution this last this last week. They they brought it before the convention, and it was it was a bit passive in nature. Uh, the resolution called for um, for people to seriously consider the message that was being sent uh, towards those who um, found the flag offensive, and to to show great wisdom and discretion in um, in flying that flag. But there were others in our convention who. Uh, thought that that resolution that was far too passive and uh, said we should repudiate the Confederate flag, that it should never be flown um, because of how it impacts impacts the black American. And, uh, And our convention stood up for that, and they did the loving thing. It, rather than the selfish thing, which would have been, well, you know, show discretion, show, be careful on how you fly that. And those outside the South said, no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have anything to do with the Confederate flag because of the message that, that sends to the black American. And they did the loving thing rather than the selfish thing. And those from the South, particularly, didn't necessarily agree with that. But that's what happens when we're kind of blind, when we allow our our feelings and our, our selfishness, our family, get, you know, make those decisions for us. Rather than doing the loving, sacrificial thing. So that was one. And then the second was... Um, regarding the election of our new president for our convention. It was between, it was actually between three individuals, but uh, from the first vote, only uh, one person only got 10% of the vote. So uh, second ballot, it was between these two individuals, J.D. Greer and Steve, Steve Grimes. Uh, Steve Grimes is from uh, Bellevue Baptist in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, J.D. Greer is a younger pastor. He's in his early 40s. Um, the pastor of a very successful church in North Carolina. J.D. Re- represented the, the younger, new generation of Southern Baptists coming up in our denomination. Steve Grimes represented um, the old guard, and Steve is about my age, and so I guess I'm thrown in with the old guard, but I was pulling for J.D. Well, they had a vote, and... Between the two individuals, get this, neither got the majority as far as, and the majority is 50%. Two people who are running and neither got 50%. Only in a Baptist convention could that happen. And the reason why they neither got a majority is because there were 103 ballots that were not the correct 
ballot. And so they had to count those ballots, but it was part of the total. And so, but there was only a difference of about a hundred votes between Steve and JD. Uh, but 49 point something between the two of them. And so it was going to require another vote. Another vote had never taken place in our, in our convention that was going to take place the next morning. So we're all there. The place is packed. We're ready to vote. I'm voting for JD. I'm voting for the new generation. Ready to pass the baton. And here both men stand at the podium and they want to speak to the convention. And JD goes first. And JD says, you know, I've prayed about this and I believe that God wants me to step aside for the sake of unity of our convention. God wants us to be unified. God wants us to be one. And everybody stood up and applauded the decision that J.D. made. J.D. wasn't thinking of himself. And yes, many of us wanted him to be the president, but J.D. was thinking in terms of what was best for our denomination, for the good of the convention. And we left that convention unified. That's what love does. That's what understanding the gospel means. That we're going to choose love over selfishness. When we choose Love, when you choose love, it makes life easier. Now, not always. You know, Jesus chose love and it cost him his life. But for some of you here in this room this morning, you choose selfishness over what's best for other people. And, the, and as you choose selfishness over love, you know what? It just leads to greater conflict in your life. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, don't be selfish. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Humility. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. When you walk into a room, humility isn't thinking, thinking, oh, what do they think about me? That's not humility. Humility says, asks, what are people thinking? How can I help others? My antennas are up. What's going on in somebody else's life? How can I be a servant? And there's this constant battle. And I, am I going to love? Or am I going to be selfish? And when we choose to love over selfishness, we find peace. Which brings 
us to the last battle. The battle between forgiveness and bitterness. We live in a broken world. And we're going to be hurt. And some of you here in this room, you've been deeply wounded. And you've allowed that wound to control your life. We have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You know, we can't control the hurt that's going to come into our life. But we can control how we're going to deal with that hurt. How long we're going to hold on to that hurt. And that hurt control us. When we understand God's love for us, for you, we can choose to forgive rather than hold on to bitterness. God wants you to let it go. Whatever has transpired in your life, whatever you are holding on to, and for some of you, that is a heavy burden. But for others, it hasn't been that significant. But you choose to continue to focus on it. For those of you who are bitter and the offense made towards you wasn't that big a deal, but you've continued to make it a big deal, that would represent this piece of paper right here. Is this piece of paper very heavy? No, it's pretty light. But you know, as long as you hold up this piece of paper and dwell on it, meditate on it, keep lifting it up, this very insignificant piece of paper eventually becomes a huge burden. That God wants you to let go. That God wants you to forgive. And please know that I'm not trying to make light of others who have been deeply wounded. And it's not a piece of paper. It's a ream of paper. And it's a more significant. But as you continue to dwell on it, and not let it go and keep lifting it up and holding on to it, it becomes a bigger burden as well. Just as God has forgiven you of much, so God wants you to forgive others. Hebrews 12 through 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When we get hurt, we 
it is always going to hurt. But bitterness, holding on to it, focusing, concentrating on it, is only going to make matters worse. Ephesians 4.26 says, if you If your anger, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Is being angry sin? Not necessarily. God gets angry. God gets angry over the injustice, the, the, all that transpired last weekend in Orlando, God gets angry over that. As should we. But it's our job to love and to pray and to trust our government to do the right thing. But that is the government's role to intervene in situations which make us as a people vulnerable. And we pray for our leaders. We pray that they do the right thing. But for us as the church, it is our job to love, to pray, to choose forgiveness. You want a great marriage? You need to fight for it. And you need to choose forgiveness over bitterness. That's what makes marriages great. They're just, they're just great forgivers. Matthew 7 2 says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Careful. Careful how you treat others because that same measurement is going to come back and haunt you. I know of a daughter-in-law. Not Mary, okay? This is another daughter-in-law. And um, the family that she married into uh, was difficult for her. Because they didn't accept her very well. No one was going to be good enough for their little boy. And she would go there to visit relatives, her husband's family. She wasn't treated very well. But she had... This daughter-in-law had a godly mother. And the daughter would confide in her mom, saying how difficult it was to go and visit her husband's family. And the mom kept telling the daughter, do the right thing. Don't stoop. Take the high road. You do the right thing. And for years, not just months, for years, she did the right thing, as hard as it was. And today, she has a better relationship with her husband's family than probably her husband does. 
And there were family members who came to her and said, we were wrong for the way we treated you, for what we believed. We love you. Love is greater than hate. Selfishness destroys. Selfishness breaks. Choose to forgive. Choose to do what God did for us. Know what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, a conqueror is someone who defeats the enemy. But more than conquerors are those who take the difficult things that have happened in their life and they become a better person for it. The Bible says you and I are more than conquerors. Allow the hard thing into our life and cause it to allow it to transform us into how God wants us to live. Do the right thing. Listen to truth. Choose love over self. Forgive. I want to conclude with chapter 4. I want to read verses 19 through 21 of 1 John. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. How are you doing at loving your brother? If we truly understand 1 John 4, we're going to be using a shovel, a backhoe, to love our brother. But if we don't understand the cross, what God says about us, We're using a teaspoon. May the love of God truly transform our lives. And love will defeat hate. Let's pray. Father, I know the hour's late. I thank you for each of us who are here. And God, we need to hear this message this morning. Because there's an enemy, an invisible enemy, who wants the church to live in fear. Who wants the church to be silenced. Who wants the, wants the church to think that we are no longer relevant.
we can't make a difference and that we are just homophobes and bigots. And God, we are not. Help us to love the world like you love the world. Help us, God, to be more than conquerors, allowing these difficulties to transform us into the people that, God, you intend for us to be. How is God speaking to your heart? What what are your current circumstances? What does God want you do to do differently? Because of 1 John 4. And to love others like He loves you. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't get weary, don't quit. Because as you continue to fight, you are going to reap a harvest. Thank you, Father, for this message this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.